Welcome back to another episode of In Gear with the Shop. I'm your host, AJ Act. Today, I'm joined by Dan Kahn, who's the founder and president of Kahn Media. Kahn Media is an award-winning PR and marketing agency that offers a full slate of marketing services for clients in the automotive aftermarket. Representing companies like Ring Brothers, Aeromotive, and Speedcore, as well as plenty of shops, both big and small, Con Media provides PR services, content creation, social media management, and much, much more. In this episode, we'll talk to Dan about how to approach marketing your shop, the importance of an active social media presence, and attending the SEMA show. But before we get to the interview, let's first hear from the sponsor of this month's episode, Lear. Your truck is your do-all, work, play, and everything in between. Be prepared for where life takes you with the Ultra Groove electric cover and the bed slide cargo drawer. We're committed to help you store, protect, organize, and access your gear better than anyone. Lear truck caps and tonneaus help you remain ready for anything. Well, I'm here with Dan Kahn. He's the founder and president of Kahn Media. Uh, First of all, thanks. Thanks for uh, coming on the show today. Happy to be here, AJ. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so I want to just start off and uh, ask you to tell us a little bit about Con Media and what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. So we are uh, one of the oldest and, and largest uh, marketing and PR agencies in the aftermarket. Uh, we handle, uh, we kind of use the phrase integrated marketing, which sounds sort of vague. Uh, but what it really means is, is we do a little bit of everything. So uh, our core competencies since day one uh, are public relations, media relations, uh, you know, strategic communications uh, for brands, shops, manufacturers. Uh, but we also we do social media marketing. We're very, very heavily involved in digital marketing, mm-hmm. all that kind of paid funnel stuff. Uh, we do a lot of event and experiential marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, even uh, direct to consumer sales and, and things like that. So we've kind of got our fingers in a lot of different pies when it comes to connecting shops or brands with uh, customers and consumers. Yeah, sure. Um, so when you're working with some of these shops that you do work with, I mean, they all kind of vary in size. I mean, you, you you've mentioned before that um, you kind of have some smaller shops, and then you have you know we've had. Um, you know, like the Ring Brothers on the show before um, that kind of have a hand in the manufacturing side of things as well. Um, when you first have someone walk in the door, what kinds of things do you uh, start with when you're trying to help a shop or a builder develop and execute a marketing plan? That's a great question. So, you know, the thing is, is uh, I've been in this industry now for, gosh, going on 20 three, 24 years, mm-hmm. uh, been owned my agency for 14. Uh, and in all that time, I, I have been working with car builders since pretty much day one. My, mm-hmm. my first job right, you know, right out of school was working for a little small hot rod type magazine that was uh, kind of focused on the street rod world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously a big part of that as a writer and an editor was going out and, and interviewing shop owners and doing mm-hmm. tech stories moved on to Rod and Custom and, and Hot Rod and back in the old Peterson days, same deal. And then even when I moved into PR and eventually started Con Media, um, I love working with builders mm-hmm. and, and the sort of 
um, reason why even to this day that, you know, as our client roster has grown and our staff has grown and our services have grown, to be totally candid, uh, you know, we probably make significantly more money and better profit margins as an agency working with big giant corporations because obviously yeah, sure. they have bigger budgets right yeah, so that makes yeah. sense that a big multinational company <laughs> or you know a giant like public and traded companies is going to have bigger budgets and yeah you know that kind of stuff but first of all i like working with shops and, and builders partly because i'm a car guy and i like building yeah. my own stuff and so it's mm-hmm. fun right mm-hmm. like i like yeah. like that's the stuff that keeps me happy going to work every day because <laughs> if it's just like marketing some chemical yeah. you know like that's not the most easy thing to get excited about. Yeah. But sure. you know, the, the other thing I thought I find sort of interesting about working with builders and with shops is that I, I use this a lot at, at work with the team is I like to say that, that car builders, particularly custom car builders are the kind of 21st centuries artists. Mm-hmm. And in so many cases with builders, you know, they're super creative. They're super passionate. Um, a lot of times they're kind of bootstrapped where they kind of, usually started out in a home garage or like a single bay somewhere and they started Mm -hmm. kind of figuring stuff out and whether they're kind of a production truck or jeep shop or a super high-end custom car builder whatever it is they they all are very creative people but that doesn't necessarily always translate into a good business person right yeah creative really good painter really good body person good fabricator you know a lot of times like these different skill sets but the business side of the business occasionally can be a little challenging for them. Mm-hmm. So when we start working with a, a builder or a shop, uh, the first thing we really do is we spend the first month of kind of onboarding, doing an assessment of their actual business model. Mm-hmm. You know, how many customers do you need to keep the lights on? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of customers are you catering to? What kind of builds are you doing? Are your builds actually profitable? You'd be surprised how many builders don't even really know. Yeah, because they're not logging all their hours and they're not looking at cost of goods sold. So we'll start off just kind of doing an analysis of, okay, what kind of, what is your actual business? And like you said, a few minutes ago, like with the Ring Brothers, who are Mm -hmm. a longtime client, I feel like they're part of the family at this point. We worked (laughs) them for over a decade. You know, yeah, the the car building part is what they're known for. And they, Mm -hmm. they do usually three, four maybe occasionally like this year they'll do five builds in a year mm-hmm. but you know so very low volume very expensive surprisingly I, and i don't know if, if mike and jim will get mad at me for saying this but you know they don't actually make a lot of money on those car builds even though they're all yeah. very high ticket items the hour burn on those things is so high they'll put three four thousand hours into a build mm-hmm. and you can't usually charge a customer for that so their business model is is really you know they use the builds to kind of promote the brand and mm-hmm. and, and then the parts sales is actually a big part of their business model. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have other builders where like the business model is building cars and mm-hmm. we we just started working with a fairly new client recently called Velocity Restorations out of Florida that is uh, more of a high volume shop where they're doing a mm-hmm. hundred plus Broncos and. Uh, scouts every year with low volume manufacturing finally coming online. Now that we have some rules from the government on how to do that, mm-hmm. they're hoping to double or even triple that number. Um, so for them, that is their business, right? Is they're yeah. just trying to figure out how to be profitable with every single build that rolls out of their shop. So mm-hmm. we ju- we ju- you know drive in, figure out okay, you know what's your business model? How do you get these customers? How do they find you? You know what's the post sale experience like? How are you interacting with your potential audience? What's that funnel, the sales funnel look like? Mm -hmm. And once we're able to kind of figure those questions out, so we know where these customers are coming from, we know who that customer is, 
we know that like, hey, if we're going to scale your business up and you're going to have to hire more employees and, you know, inventory more parts and do all this stuff, are you actually making money on every one of these bills? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, we might also have to look at that too to help figure that out. So, so once we kind of get those basic questions answered, then we can actually start building a marketing plan. Mm -hmm. And so where would you start then once those questions are all answered? I mean, what, what's usually the first thing that you would look at for a shop that has no plan whatsoever that is starting from scratch? So, you know, great question. And in the old days for 50 years, if you were a shop and you wanted to promote yourself, you'd try and get a build in a magazine and you go to a major show, mm-hmm. right? That was it for years and years and years, including when I started in the industry. You know, if you got mm-hmm. a cover of a magazine, that's that's all you need and mm-hmm. your phone's going to start ringing. Or, you know, you go to whether it's a SEMA debut or, or a Good Guys Columbus debut or something like that, and you're a builder. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in the truck and off-road world, they have sort of different shows than Good Guys, but you'd go to one of those shows and, mm-hmm. you know, you go to Dino's Get Down to the C10 Nationals or whatever kind of show caters to your audience, Barrett-Jackson, whatever, and you do a debut, you show off your car, people come up, they're interested, they ask questions, and now all of a sudden you're in business and you're getting calls. Mm-hmm. You know, there is still an element of that. The yeah. magazine thing is a little harder than it used to be because there aren't yeah. that many of them left. But, yeah. you know, to me, it's really all about social media at this point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's really kind of looking at, okay, what's your digital footprint? Does your shop have a site? Is the site a modern site? Is Google actually looking at your site? Mm-hmm. And how much content are you posting? You know, what kind of social presence do you have? You know, I'll be honest, I've got a potential project car sitting in my warehouse right now that I want to start working on. And there's a couple shops I was hoping would, would work on it with me. And I follow this one small shop on, on Instagram and I like their stuff and I like their mm-hmm. builds and I've seen their stuff in person at shows. And I've shot these guys three DMs on Instagram saying, hey, I've got this car. It's the perfect starting point for a build. I'd love to work with you guys. You know, what's the next step? Can we hop mm-hmm. on a call? Like, can I come out and visit you guys? Like, what's next? And they just don't respond. Yeah. And I'm going like, man, like, what does that mean? Does that mean they're just not up on the digital thing? Or does that mean they don't want my business or they're really busy? Yeah. So, you know, part of it is just establishing the basics of, of do you have a good modern site? Do you have an active social media presence? Are you showing off your work? Are you responding to people online? And then from there, you can start building out whether it's kind of digital marketing, which is sort of the paid side of social. Mm-hmm. You're targeting people and you're putting posts up into their feed to kind of get their attention. You know, are you, you know, there's, there's other options too, where it's working with influencers, it's doing open houses, getting people to come out, you know, are your customers regional? Are they local? Are they national? I mean, if you're, if you're selling $500,000, super high end street rod builds, you're probably willing to build a car for anybody and your customers Mm -hmm. come from all over the country or even all over the world. If you're a local shop doing kind of pretty, you know, straightforward lift kits you know, wheel and tire packages, exhaust systems, you know, if you're building kind of like pretty straightforward, like Jeep Wrangler builds, you probably don't need to talk to somebody on the side of the country. You're probably Mm going to get all the customers you need just from your local town. So, you know, at that point, you know, you have to kind of identify where is my target market? Where is my target customer? And then start looking harder at, okay, in in that kind of, you know, six, seven figure builder arena, we're going to have a very different plan in terms of, what events we go to and how we target people digitally and what mm-hmm. media outlets we work with compared to the local truck shop who quite, quite honestly, it's a waste of their time and money. If we're marketing, you know, if they're in Southern California and they're talking to some guy in Jersey, mm-hmm. well, 
that guy has plenty of options in his own backyard. <laughs> He's not going to spend five grand sending his truck across the country and back on a transporter yeah. to get a lift kit installed, right? Yeah. So with that guy, we will do some geofenced marketing where we're targeting people in his own region. Mm-hmm. You know, we can do some local shows. We can even talk to local media and kind of go from there to try and get a you know get the level of sort of velocity that we need to get mm-hmm. their phone ring in just from the local market. Mm-hmm. Um, so you going back to the the active social media and stuff and, and these DMs that you've been sending the shop. I mean, do you find that a lot of people you work with just think being active on social media is just posting every once in a while? You know, AJ, it's funny. It kind of runs the gamut. <laughs> um, we 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 work with you know both clients and even just friends in the industry who. You know, um, I'll, I'll say like 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 Roger at Ironworks Speed and Custom, not a client. Don't mm-hmm. even really know him very well. I've met him once or twice at, at shows. Mm-hmm. That's an example of someone who does a really good job with social media where mm-hmm. I don't know if he has people helping him or not, to be honest. But, mm-hmm. you know, they post a lot of build updates on, on the different channels. They're active on Instagram. They're active on Facebook. Uh, but they also post a lot of stories. They're pretty active on DM. They're very responsive. But he's also posting like, kind of business how-to tips like hey if mm-hmm. you run your own shop so he's essentially educating his own customers yeah he's like hey you know here's how to you know schedule out a build so that you're not you know having to rob peter to pay paul and mm-hmm. you always have parts and in inventory you know that's someone where I, i'm a pretty strong believer in being open honest and transparent in everything you do in business and mm-hmm. when someone does something like that where they're just like hey i'm here i'm here all the time i'm here regularly i want to communicate with everybody um, another good example is there's a porsche shop uh, here in Southern California called TLG. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy, Marco Girassi, who who runs it's a friend of mine, and, and his dad started the business like 30 years ago, and he took it over. And he's transformed his business through social media, mm-hmm. where the Porsche community, even though it's a big community, it's a pretty insular community, right? So it's yeah. a small world of Porsche people, even though there's a lot of Porsche owners on the planet. And you know, his dad was kind of old school and, and was a very good mechanic, but didn't really market himself. He just kind of relied on word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Marco jumps in, he posts a ton of content, he does Instagram giveaways, he does contests, wow. he's really engaged with his audience, he goes to a lot of shows and events, not just to say, like, here I am, give me your business, but to go there as an enthusiast and actually mm-hmm. post content from these shows saying, Here's a bunch of cars that he may not have had anything to do with. It's not like he's posting customer cars. He's mm-hmm. just like posting event coverage saying this event was really cool to be part of the community. Mm-hmm. And what that's done is it has transformed his business and it's exploded because now he's sort of opened up, you know, instead of having just like a handful of friends over at a party in his own little backyard, mm-hmm. he's knocked down all the fences. And now he's got a much bigger backyard. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to all these people in the greater Porsche world who kind of see his social posts, see his kind of presence on the different channels. And they're like, wow, this guy is really on the gas. He's part of our community. He gets it. He's in interacting with his customers on social who are saying, hey, Marco, you know, thanks for the motor rebuild. The car runs great. And as a result, he gets a lot of business that way. So, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of depends on, on your model and, and on your target customer. But, you know, I, I have found that, you know, whether you're doing it yourself or you've got a reliable person who's physically in the shop doing the work, that works mm-hmm. too. If you're using an agency like ours, that can absolutely work as long as, as you're communicating really effectively and efficiently with the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that can work if you have a really engaged kind of active presence that also is really present. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and, and what I mean by that is what you don't want is to schedule out a month worth of posts that are all just sort of like static car shots. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, here's just a bunch of random content sitting in a Dropbox and an intern's going to come in and just, you know, fire and forget every other day. Mm-hmm. That's not going to do much. And now maybe your audience might grow. Maybe it won't. But is it mm-hmm. going to get you a bunch of leads? Probably not. You know, th- mm-hmm. that engagement is why those people are there. Because I think for most customers, whether it's, again, the guy with the new F-150 who just wants a, a leveling kit and wheels and tires, or a guy with a, you know, 32 Ford and he wants a $500,000 full-on custom car build. Mm-hmm. In both those cases, whether it's the really wealthy guy who's got like a, an Amber contender or, or you know, or a Riddler contender, mm-hmm. or the 24-year-old who's just building his first new pickup truck. Mm-hmm. In both cases, this is probably something that like, you know, for you, the shop owner, this is just work, right? Mm-hmm. But for the customer, this is their dream. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that they've been thinking about every night. They're on forums. They're in Facebook groups. They're going on Instagram and looking at posts. They're going and if they're a magazine person, they're they're reading all the magazines and they're dreaming about like this is how I want this thing to look and this is how I want it to end up and this is what I want the result to be and and they're buying into this dream and they mm-hmm. want you to be bought into. They want you to be part of it and they want you to believe in it just like they do. And if it's a total transactional thing, like. You know, you're just sort of throwing up posts just to have a presence to have it mm-hmm. and you're not engaged with them. It's going to be much harder to get them to sort of want to partner with you on that build. Your truck works hard and so do you. But when it's time to have fun, be prepared for where life takes you. Lear truck caps and tonneaus help you store, protect, organize and access your gear better than anyone. Go to Lear.com to view our featured products like the Jackrabbit retractable cover and the Bedslide 1500 cargo drawer. Um, this is somewhat related, but now that we're kind of getting into trade show season with SEMA show and PRI coming up, um, how would you suggest, I mean, you you mentioned um, a, about this poor shop that, you know, goes to events and is very active at these events with, you know, posting other people's cars, just being a participant. Um would you say that that is something that can help uh, a shop owner that goes to the SEMA show that goes to PRI um, take full advantage of that show experience? Absolutely. I, you know, I am old school in that way and that I, I firmly believe, and I, I I'll be honest with you, AJ, I think a lot of our society is sort of figuring this out in mm-hmm. real time right now. I'm a firm believer in face-to-face interaction. Yeah. And and I'd say pre-COVID, there were a lot of people that were like, do I really need to keep going to trade shows or mm-hmm. or even going to shows, right? Mm-hmm. Even if they're consumer shows. And then COVID happened. And after a couple of years of being stuck inside in isolation, I know so many people, whether they're business owners or shop owners or just regular people with a regular job going like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I need to get out of this house. I want to go see my friends. I want to be part of my community. And you know, I think that the trade show thing is so is so effective if you do it the right way. Mm-hmm. So if you're a shop owner, going to a SEMA, going to a PRI can be tremendously effective mm-hmm. if you do it the right way yeah. you know, and you have the right expectations. So if you show up and you know whether you're exhibiting a car or not, mm-hmm. you know, go in and, and the, the manufacturers that are at those shows are there for a reason. They 
you know, especially at a trade show, they're going to get and you and I and everyone else listening to this knows that you go to a CMO or a PRI and there is an element of people that are there that, you know, are they in the industry? Maybe, maybe kind of, <laughs> maybe their buddy owns a body shop and they're actually there in the Tommy Bahama shirt, just kind of checking <laughs> stuff out. And that's cool. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Like we want that guy too. But the reason those, those manufacturers are there is they really don't have the conversation with, with the shop owners. Yeah. That's the buyer. That's their customer, right? Yeah. So they're just waiting to engage with you. So I think part of that, you know, productivity is going in and having those meaningful conversations. And so many shop owners I talk to are kind of like, if there's a new product they're interested in, they'll go into a booth and ask a rep who's standing in the booth about the product. But otherwise they're kind of like a little bit um, intimidated to go in and just say, Hey, how do I buy direct from you guys? Mm-hmm. or what kind of terms do you offer or here's my shop and here's the kind of builds I work on what do you have for me and what's coming down the pipe and like ask those bigger questions mm-hmm. and the reality is that's how you start building those relationships that you need so that a year two years three years down the road as your shop is expanding or as their product line is expanding you can start tapping into that network and saying hey how can you help me and what can you do for me? And can I try out some of your new product and mm-hmm. let's do some coll- you know, collaborations on some bills and maybe your build will end up in their booth next year. So, you know, that, that part of it, I think is super important mm-hmm. networking, you know, builder to builder and shop to shop. That's another thing that a lot of builders are intimidated. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily want like, Oh, that's my competition. But then I look at like the rings where mm-hmm. the Ring Brothers are super tight and really good friends with a lot of the other car builders. They're friends mm-hmm. with Troy Trepanier. They're friends with Phil and Jeremy Gerber at the Roadster Shop. In theory, those guys, they're friends with Kyle Tucker at Detroit Speed. These guys should all, in theory, be competitors, right? And they are <laughs> yeah. competitors, but they're also friends. And they all like, go out together for dinner and they all mm-hmm. hang out because I think they've kind of realized that, hey, there's, there's more than enough, you know, business for everybody mm-hmm. and in the meantime we can help each other we can learn from each other the rings use roadster shop chassis on a lot of their builds mm-hmm. you know roadster shop uses ring brothers billet parts on a lot of their builds mm-hmm. you know they're sharing advice with each other so you know i i think that that kind of you know our one thing that makes our industry special is if you're in the toothpaste business you're probably not going to be buddies with a competing toothpaste brand <laughs> but yeah. You know, our world, everybody's friends and we're all enthusiasts. Nobody's a toothpaste enthusiast, right? It's just a job. And then you go (laughs) home at the end of the day and you leave it behind and you go watch a football game or something. But if you're a car guy, you're a car guy Mm 24-7. And I think that that allows us to be friends with people. And and, and then to answer your question, I I think, you know, there's absolutely an advantage and really almost no disadvantage to going to a show like that and trying to learn. Mm -hmm. And, And kind of going back to the rings again, that's something that they've done for years that I always sort of admired is they've always asked us because we keep them very busy at the show. In fact, this year we have five debuts, including a crazy super truck that you guys have to see to believe. <laughs> okay. Um, but, you know, as, you know, we could theoretically keep them booked eight hours a day for all four days of the SEMA show just doing meetings. <laughs> and they've always said, hey, at least block out one day for us because what they do is they'll actually walk around and they're taking pictures and they're looking at other stuff just to try and be inspired. Mm-hmm. And not all of that ends up on their social feed necessarily, but like mm-hmm. I know like Mike, for an example, he spends a lot of time studying OEM stuff mm-hmm. where he'll see like, oh, some new Cadillac has a trunk lid where when you close the lid, you just barely close it. And then it sort of sucks itself down. So you don't have to slam it. And then the, the panel gap is perfect. And it's so like, he saw that at a show on a new car. Mm-hmm. And it was like, can we adapt that technology to our builds? And then they started using it in their builds. So I, I think that's how you keep driving forward too, mm-hmm. right? Is you keep getting that inspiration by going and looking. You don't want to stay in a silo. 
Yeah. You want to walk around. You want to kind of interact with the community, with the other builders, look at what other people are doing, take lots of pictures and try and kind of take inspiration from the stuff you see around you. Cool. Well, that's all the time we have today. Uh, Dan, thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. Really, really great having you on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you again to Dan for coming on the show. And if you want to learn more about Con Media, you can check them out on their website, conmedia.com. And that's K-A-H-N, media.com. Also, thank you to Lear for continuing to support the program. You can find out more about the company at lear.com, and that's L-E-E-R.com. If you enjoyed the conversation with Dan, you can check out our full catalog of past episodes, which you can find on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you want to keep up with all the latest news in the aftermarket, head to theshopmag.com, where you can subscribe to the magazine and the daily e-newsletter. As always, appreciate you tuning in. I'm your host, AJ Hecht. Cheers.